Welcome to Education Beat. I'm Ann Vasquez, CEO of EdSource. Fewer than half of California's children have learned how to read and write by the end of third grade. It's a crisis, according to many advocates and teachers. A new bill would require schools to teach reading with phonics and other basic skills. It also would require training all elementary teachers to use these strategies. We should not be teaching those kids one way and those kids another, because then you get into disparities. We would not be ranked 49th if we had some data or science behind what we're doing. How will reading instruction change if the bill becomes law? What obstacles might it face to get there? Here is this week's Education Beat with host Zadie Stabley. Before becoming a member of the California State Assembly, Blanca Rubio was a teacher. She first taught kindergarten, then first grade. When she started teaching fourth grade, she realized that a lot of her students were behind in reading. A lot of my students were at first, second, or third grade level. I can tell you, when I have fourth graders that are at first or second grade reading, something's wrong. If a kid doesn't know phonics in the fourth grade, we screwed them up somewhere. If they're not reading in the third grade, they may never recover. Blanca was elected to the California Assembly in 2016, and literacy has remained a priority for her. California, we rank 48 out of 50 states in our literacy. That is shameful. In recent years, many advocacy organizations have also raised concerns about how many children struggle to learn to read in California. And they've been pushing for California to require school districts to make sure that teachers are teaching all the basic skills needed for children to learn. Increasingly, advocates are pushing for an approach to literacy based on the science of reading, meaning the body of research on how children learn to read. That research shows that kids have to learn what sounds letters make and how to sound out words. They have to learn what words mean, too. Then they learn to recognize words they've seen before and gradually learn to read fluently without halting. Blanca says she's a natural skeptic. She remembers that as a teacher, she was told many different times that some new program would be the magic one. Every couple months they're like, oh my God, this program is gonna teach everybody how to, how to read or how to do math. And then, you know, we, we get this amazing supplemental program. And then a couple months later, no, this program is gonna teach everybody how to read. Through my career, we must have gone through, I don't know, 10 different magic pills, if you will, that was gonna teach the kids how to read. And so they're all hits and misses. And so when anybody comes um, to lobby me, I'm like, give me the data. What is the data behind what you say? But when Blanca saw data on states that had implemented curriculum based on the science of reading, it was convincing. So convincing, in fact, that she decided to author a bill mandating its use in California schools. Mississippi implemented the science of reading. They went from 49th to 22nd. So the data doesn't lie. This is Education Beat, getting to the heart of California schools. I'm Zadie Stavely. This week, California eyes a science-based approach to literacy. My colleague John Fensterwald has been covering literacy in California for years now. 
He recently interviewed Blanca Rubio and wrote about the bill she introduced in the state assembly, AB 2222. Hi, John. Hi, Zadie. How bad are our reading scores? The reading scores are really bad. Fewer than half of third graders are reading at standard, or you could call it proficient in reading. But when you break it down by student groups, it's about a quarter of black students, almost a third of Hispanic students, uh, compared with 69% of Asian students and almost 60% of white students. And the same disparity happens with whether you're low income or not low income. So we need overall improvement, but for low-income kids and certain groups of students, it's really bad. Okay, and do we know, you know, how much of this has to do with how reading is taught? Well, there are a lot of factors that grow into into disparities in test scores. We, we know that, and poverty is one, and access to fully prepared and competent teachers, that's another. But instruction in reading is, well, if we look at what other states have done, it's really clear that good instruction in evidence-based strategies that work is essential. And in California, it's almost as if our system of accountability starts in third grade. We really don't have any information about how reading is taught in kindergarten, first and second grades. We know the results are poor, but we don't know what textbooks they're using. We don't know how teachers are taught. And so this would address that gap. So we shouldn't just start measuring in third grade. We need to know how kids are doing earlier. And that's the intent of a comprehensive early literacy uh, policy. So right now, there isn't a mandated literacy policy in California. Every district can choose how to teach reading. And some school districts already use curriculum based on the science of reading. But then other districts use other approaches, some of which don't actually emphasize all the ways that research shows help kids learn to read, like phonics, vocabulary, oral language development for English learners, comprehension, writing. And if kids aren't getting all of those things, they end up with gaps in their reading, right, John? That's right. Some districts are using methods which have been popular for 30 years of teaching reading, which which don't work. We know it doesn't work now. One of which is three cueing. It's called three cueing, and it's made popular by Lucy Calkins, an author in the textbook Units of Study, in which students are taught, well, try and figure it out, look at the pictures on a page, or kind of sort of like all the information that you've had, kind of guess at the word. And it really can harm a kid when they get older. And in fact, there are no pictures on a page. Uh, And you really need to figure it out and sound out a word phonetically and then figure out what that word means and pronounce it and understand what it means. In your most recent article, you talked about how California actually has taken some steps. So can you tell us what the state has done so far? Indeed, it has. The governor has taken the leadership in, for example, a screening for dyslexia and other reading difficulties. The state has funded $40 $40 million, I think is the figure, to create a new test for it with University of California, San Francisco. And it's going to be mandated that this test be given all students in kindergarten through second grade in another year. So that's really important. The governor took a lead, in fact, because he personally knows about that. He's dyslexic. And 
We've also passed new literacy standards that teacher preparation programs will start using, I believe, again, starting the fall of 25. And so that's a big step. Those are two of the important elements of a comprehensive approach to literacy. We've also funded a lot of money for training literacy teachers and schools with the most poverty. But there's no guarantee, in fact, that these new literacy trainings will be in the science of reading. Uh, We think it will, but we don't know because there's no system to require it. Blanca and the advocacy nonprofits EdVoice, Decoding Dyslexia California, and Families in Schools that are co-sponsoring her bill argue that guidelines aren't enough. They say another generation of California children cannot wait for districts to come around. Districts need to be required to do so. So, John, what would this bill do exactly? Well, Assembly Bill 2222 would create a comprehensive early literacy policy. So this bill actually defines evidence-based instruction as, as phonemic awareness and phonics, vocabulary, oral, oral language development, fluency, and comprehension. Those are all the important fundamental skills in learning how to read. And that's what this bill would actually define that as what we what we want to focus on. All the materials would be consistent. Now, it wouldn't mean that every district immediately has to throw out what they have and adopt these textbooks, but it would say when you do change your textbooks, it has to be from an approved list. And if you choose to buy something else that's not on the list, you then would need a waiver from the state board. You have to justify what you're doing. Okay, and it also includes training for teachers, both teachers who are already in the classroom and also teachers who are getting their credential, right? That's right. We know that soon teachers from teacher prep programs and new teachers will be taught correctly. But now we're saying lots of veteran teachers, you must take a 30-hour course. And it's really lengthy and it's thorough uh, instruction in in evidence-based strategies. And so all all teachers buy under the bill, it's either 2028 or 2030, must go through this. All teachers, at least in elementary grades and those who are literacy coaches and the like, must do that. AB 2222 also says any curriculum based on the science of reading must emphasize the pivotal role of oral language and home language development, particularly for English learners. And it must be inclusive of the unique needs and assets of English learners. That's a big deal. Because more than one-fourth of students in kindergarten through third grade in California are English learners. And one of the biggest obstacles to mandating curriculum based on the science of reading has been that advocates for English learners have raised concerns that districts could end up pushing certain skills like phonics and leave out skills that English learners need in order to learn to read. Blanca Rubio knows about the struggles of English learners firsthand. She first moved to the United States from Mexico when she was six years old. She remembers the teacher sitting her in a corner and handing her pages from coloring books instead of reading lessons because she didn't speak English. I vividly remember this giraffe that I would color pretty much all day long because the teacher didn't know what to do with me. And I remember going back to try and sit down with the rest of the class. And the teacher was like, no, 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 go over there. And so she kept putting me in that corner um, you know, with coloring pages. The research shows students learning English need lots of oral language development, learning to speak and understand the language, 
in order to understand what they're reading, and they need additional vocabulary and background knowledge. At the same time, they may already have some reading skills in their home languages, and they can benefit from being taught which letters sound the same in their home language and in English, and which sound different. Learning to read in a home language or in a bilingual education setting is most beneficial. Blanca says she never got tutoring in English in school, but she did eventually learn to read. It helped, she says, that she had learned how to read in Spanish in Mexico, sounding out letters with different chants. Like, R con R cigarro, R con R barril, rápido corren los carros, detrás del ferrocarril, and clearly you hear the R's, right? That was the chants that, that, that we would do in the first grade or kinder in Mexico. And so when children are literate in their primary language, it's easier to, to learn. She knows, though, that many children who are learning English as a second language don't get the help they need. When Blanca's younger brother first enrolled in school in Los Angeles Unified, he was placed in a special education classroom because he didn't know any English. And he would come home and say, well, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. You know, and so by the time they figured out that my brother um, was not special needs, that it was a language barrier, it was like two or three years later. By then, as you can imagine, his self-esteem was in the gutter. Blanca's brother ended up dropping out of high school. Blanca says it's a reminder that schools must take into account the needs of English learners and the assets they bring. They treated it as like, oh, they can't learn because they don't speak the language, as opposed to, guess what? I speak two languages. I, I read and write in both languages. My parents um, always had the newspaper at the time, La Opinión, around, so I know how to read in Spanish. And then we started to learn, but because a lot of the words, you know, are the same, the ones that are not, like the THs and all of that, that's teachable. So, John, it remains to be seen whether English learner advocates will support this bill. How much opposition in general do you think the bill will face? It's hard to say. You know, we always throw around local control. And, and that's the principle that you get to choose how you teach, not just what you teach. We have standards, but how you teach it is a matter for districts to choose. And this would say, I think justifiably, uh, we can't wait till third grade. This is too important. This is where kids get a good start. And if kids are not being taught correctly, that's a problem. And the state must say, this is too important to leave it up to teachers who are taught 20 years ago in bad techniques. This is really important for the next generation of California kids. So you have to get beyond that hurdle. And then I think there will be some opposition. One of the questions is, what is the California Teachers Association's position on this? Uh, I think, to an extent, Zadie, that it is a bit of a generational issue. Uh, at least I'm told that teachers who haven't been taught correctly and they go through a course like letters, some of them say, I feel really bad. I feel really guilty that I have taught 20 years kids the wrong way. I'm really glad I did this. But some teachers, if you're convinced that it worked for you, they think they shouldn't be required to do it. And I think that there's a generation of teachers that will be coming out of the teacher preparation programs who are taught in these strategies, and all teachers should be. And so we're waiting to see what happens with CTA, what its position will be. And there's another bill in the legislature then that 
would um what it would do would be eliminate the performance assessment that's required cta is behind a bill that would eliminate all teacher performance assessments which is very controversial a lot of teachers don't like them but in fact the literacy early literacy performance assessment is something that's scheduled to start next year so in other words, teachers have always said these paper tests don't work. So the idea was we'd have a teacher showing how she teaches, that she knows the techniques and can actually explain it to students. That's a, I think it's a, it's a valid way of measuring your knowledge. Uh, but that would be part of this other bill to eliminate all teacher performance assessments. Again, it's one piece. So suppose you eliminate that. Then you eliminate a part of the accountability system, which says colleges, early preparation programs, we need to know that you're doing it right. And whether or not teachers pass this performance assessment is one measure. We need to know that your faculty is trained in the science of reading. And so that, that might be eliminated as well. And so you begin to dismantle a comprehensive approach even before you go ahead and pass and create it. What have other states done to improve their reading, John? You know, they've taken a, a really comprehensive approach like Tennessee, and we've heard about the Mississippi miracle, and Colorado, which probably may be more similar to, uh, to California. They've adopted this with, with success. It's not, again... You won't solve literacy with any one particular thing. There are lots of factors that go into it. Funding, access to to teachers, smaller classes than perhaps we have right now. Lots of factors. And Tennessee is a good example, actually, because the commissioner of education who started this, Penny Schwinn, she actually was a teacher in Sacramento, grew up in Sacramento, was a, uh, an administrator in Sac City. And so... When I interviewed her, she said, you know, California can do this. California can do what we did. We have tutors for every kid in K through three uh, so that we quicken the process. California, you can do that. If we can do it, you can do it. You're bigger scale. But uh, it's just a willingness to do it and involvement of the governor and parents' involvement is critical to a comprehensive approach to literacy. They have to be involved in this process. Those states that are succeeding do that as well. And they have leadership from the top. It, it's not just a legislator like Blanca Rubio. It also is an executive who recognizes that this is a policy and encourages it and talks it up. So those states that take it seriously and then have permanent funding Unlike California, you just can't say, okay, we got an extra $10 billion because, because we got a lot of money from the income tax this year and we'll throw at it. It has to be a permanent commitment and part in this would be would part of the local control funding formula that would be provided and almost set aside, I think, for literacy instruction so it's never pushed to the side in a bad year. And we'll see what happens when, uh, we'll see what the governor says. We'll see what uh, superintendent, state superintendent, Tony Thurman reaction to it. They say they believe in evidence-based instruction. So we'll see what happens when they're given a bill, which would require it. Blanca Rubio says it's time for statewide direction so that kids in every district have the same opportunity to learn to read. Montana Unified might have, uh, you know, whatever program and then Baldwin Park a different program because 
they decided differently, but is there data behind all of those programs? And sometimes there was, and sometimes there wasn't. So, you know, it's a hit and miss. We should not be teaching those kids one one way and those kids another, because then you get into, you know, the disparities, because we would not be 49th, ranked 49th, if we had some data or science behind what we're doing. She's hopeful that she can get both the governor and the superintendent of public instruction to support the bill. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll show you my bruises afterwards. In the last eight years, I've demonstrated um, a backbone to fight for things that are important to me. So th- that is my reputation in Sacramento. If you ask anybody, they'll be like, oh yeah, she's gutsy. She's gonna, you know, fight for what she believes in. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Education Beat, Getting to the Heart of California Schools, a production of EdSource. You can find John's story at edsource.org. Our producer is Kobe McDonald. Special thanks to our guests, Blanca Rubio and EdSource editor-at-large, John Fensterwald. Our CEO is Anne Vasquez. Our theme music is from Blue Dot Sessions. This episode was brought to you by the Heising Simons Foundation. I'm Zadie Stavely. Join us next week and subscribe so you won't miss an episode.